You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined by Gabby Udrutia. We have plenty to talk about here with the dead period lifting. High school recruiting is back in full swing as Miami looks to put the finishing touches on the 2023 class. Plenty of Cormani McLean talk to dive into. Plenty of transfer talk to dive into. Uh, new enrollees at Miami arriving this week for spring semester um, as Miami gets back into their academic calendar with the start of school this week. And we'll we'll touch on a little bit of the, uh, once again, you know, kind of what we're hearing about Miami's offensive coaching staff, et cetera. Um, so plenty to talk about in this episode. Before we get into those topics, let's take a quick word um, from our sponsors. Are you a business owner or manager in need of seasonal or temporary staff? Let the folks at LT Pro Enterprises assist. The folks at LT Pro Enterprises can help you find laborers for your business in the state of Florida with an expanding footprint to other states as well. Reach out to Lionel Torres at Torres. Lionel1, the number one, at gmail.com. LT Pro Enterprises, your source for all of your staffing and labor needs. This episode is also brought to you by Midway Sports, your one-stop shop for all of your sporting good needs, located just two miles south of the University of Miami. This locally owned small business has everything you would need to gear up for every sport. Their stocked up men's, women's, and kids selections has you and your family covered for all of your outdoor needs. Use promo code SMOKE15 for 15% off your online order at MidwaySports.com. All right, we are back. Gabby, let's not bury the lead. Cormani McLean time. Time to talk about the five-star corner. I believe he's still the number two overall player in the country, according to the composite. Um, the dead period lifted what Friday, which means coaches can go visit high school prospects once again. So let's start there and let's just take us through the timeline of events, I guess, that happened on Friday in regards to Miami, Gormani McLean, and his whereabouts. Yeah, a really interesting situation. Um, Miami. You know, again, we like you mentioned, dead period lifts. Of course, uh, first stop is is going to be to to get in there with uh, your 
top ranked uh, commitment, the one that didn't sign. I mean, the top available player in the class of 2023 right now, at least top unsigned player in the class of 2023. So Miami naturally sends, you know, some defensive staffers up to Lakeland to, to meet with Cormani McLean at his school and to meet with his coach and all that stuff. Uh, basically they get to the school Friday and he's, he's not in school. Um, which wasn't really like, I don't know if that was like a red flag or anything like that. I mean, you know, it could have been, you know, a bunch of different things. I mean, senior year on a Friday. I mean, I, I, I get it. Um, uh, but Cormani McLean wasn't there. I, I think they kind of started, it, it, it kind of started to spell trouble when it really felt like no one could really get a hold of him and not even really his coach. So the plan was for the staff to basically go to Lakeland together and then they are all going to disperse in their own directions uh, to go do a couple other recruiting things, hit a couple of different schools in the area. And, um, you know, basically a few of them left, some stayed behind and basically they got a coach, uh, a call from um, Lakeland's head coach or new head coach and uh, was basically just like, hey, uh, you know, just I think you guys should kind of get out of here. Uh, it sounds like Cormani McLean's on a flight somewhere. So he's not even in Lakeland right now. So at that point, um, you know, kind of a scramble to figure out what's going on. I think, you know, they very quickly put two and two together that he's probably visiting Colorado. It was hard to get a firm confirmation on that from really from any direction. It felt like, you know, the, like, you know, family wasn't really answering the phones or communicating to anyone about where they were going, just that they were on a visit. Um, you know, I think there was a connecting flight thing, which meant that, you know, there was he was probably going somewhere out west. Um, so I think it became pretty evident that he was going to Colorado, but it probably wasn't until later in the day Friday where we could maybe kind of confirm that he was actually there. And, um, you know, basically that's that's how it happened. He basically took off to Colorado without ever, anyone really finding out. And once it kind of got out that he was at Colorado, I mean, that's when I basically just went ahead and and flipped my crystal ball over to the to the Buffaloes, Deion Sanders. And I know, um, you know, that that's kind of where we're at now. I think uh, Cormani McLean has since posted photos of himself in Boulder in the snow, taking pictures with Deion Sanders, all those types of things. I know he tried to make it seem like he was still in Tampa. Uh, very, yeah, you know, that? yeah, kind of par for the course for this recruitment as, you know, for those who have been following along. Uh, really just a, a whole wild scenario, but, uh, you know, I do think that uh, I do think things are trending towards him, you know, eventually picking Colorado if if that's something that that he decides to do here soon. So again, you you definitely you put in a crystal ball for Cormani to Colorado, right? Yeah. Where would you say things stand now with Miami, like from Miami's perspective? Right. Um, like I don't know if Mario Cristobal is wired to. I don't know if give up is the right word, but right. just stop recruiting a guy that he thinks he can land. Right. I don't think Mario Cristobal's wired that way. I think maybe everyone else in the building might be over it in terms yeah. of this Cormani pursuit. So how would you characterize where things stand with Miami and Cormani in terms of from Miami's perspective, are they going to stop recruiting them? Is this just going to boil down to, okay, Mario Cristobal's, I mean, he's been recruiting him this whole time. Yeah. Is it basically just going to be a deal where it's like, all right, Mario, if you want to do this, go chase it, see what you can do. But everyone else is kind of tapped out. Yeah, I think that that's maybe more of the sense. I think, the, I mean, the, what I'm kind of gathering, it seems like everyone else is, is kind of over it. Um, I don't know that Miami would definitely not take him, but I do think that there have been conversations about moving on. 
about potentially yeah. just talking about like, hey, this is just no, this is just not a direction that we're going to go anymore. I don't think there's anything definite. Like if Cormani McLean called them here on Monday afternoon and, you know, and, and said, hey, guys, I want to play at Miami. I, I think at this point, Miami would probably, you know, you know, take him up, of course. I mean, he's committed to them. There hasn't been like a behind the scenes push to like, you know, he's not on our commit list anymore. You know, we're moving on. Like there has been none of that. Um, I do think that there's obviously frustration. And I, think I would that- say to that point, you know, I see a lot of chatter out there, right? In terms of we we should pull a scholarship and right. drop him. And I get that. I just think in this transfer portal era, you know, unless you're really, really, really turned off by how the young man handles things, um, I don't think you shut any doors in this transfer portal era. Sorry. No, no, no. And I think that's a really fair point. And I think that's probably a reason why maybe they're not completely shutting the door. I think if this was something that was happening, you know, three cycles ago where the transfer portal wasn't as imminent, you know, I could see them just being like, all right, you know what, let's dust off our hands here and let's move on. Um, but I do think in this era where you you never know what, what like what things are going to look like 365 days from now, I think that we're seeing that now, even with some guys that we're going to talk about later on in the in this podcast, David. Like, I, I, I understand. I honestly, I understand both sides of the coin. Like, I get like Same. you know you kind of keep recruiting him, and I honestly totally understand the sentiment of you know let like let's just cut like cut bait. It's clear that you know it feels like he's stringing Miami along. That's um, right. That's the th- part that's hard to reconcile. He, it right. looks like he's using Miami to do this big flip. You right. Know? Yeah. It it does seem like there's, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to speak on the right. character of, of, of a minor or anything like that, but you know, this is a situation where if, if I'm Miami, you know, I, I again, I see, I, I could see this going both ways. I, I would be totally understanding if they were just like, Hey, we're done here. We're moving on. And I get that, you know, you kind of still recruit him. He's, he's an elite talent. And, you know, if he does put it all together, you know, obviously his ceiling is, 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 is extremely high and he could be a potential first round NFL talent. Uh, so, you know, both, both sides of this are, are interesting, but you know, this is just that honestly, I mean, David, I, I know you've been in this recruiting game a lot longer than I have. Um, but this is one of the wildest sort of sagas that I've seen to this point. And Miami just kind of seems to be in a state of limbo right now where it's almost like you don't even know where to fit in and you don't even know what steps to take next because you also don't want to get played, but you also, you know, want right. a chance to actually recruit the kids. So it's it's a fascinating sort of dynamic right now between Cormani McLean and Miami, because I think it's clear that people are upset. I think that there's been a lack of trust. Uh, I think there's been broken, yep. you know, trust broken um, between even just like the family, the lack of communication, all that type of stuff. Yep. I, again, I think we've said this from the jump, David, like, I think, I mean, other than, you know, Miami felt good about that. They were going to sign him, all that type of stuff. But I think the longer this has gone on, it's been like, you know, how, how like, how often does this actually work out for the team that holds on to the original commitment? And I think that's where I'm at right now, where it's just like, I just find it hard to believe at this point, And now that he's taken a public visit to Colorado, all that stuff, the Deion Sanders factor, uh, Coach Prime, all that type of stuff. This kind of flipping back in Miami's in Miami's way, um, I find to be pretty unlikely. Yeah, I think, you know, look, it's one of these situations where actions speak louder than words, right? Yeah. And Cormani doesn't say much publicly. Um, so you got to go by his actions. Um, and within the last month, he's not kept Miami in the loop with two major developments in his recruitment. 
you know, not signing in December and also now taking an official visit to Colorado. Uh, you know, again, he has every right to do those things. He has the right to not sign in December and he has the right to visit other schools if that's what he wants to do. But if you're serious about Miami, you communicate that to them. You keep them in the loop on, hey, this is what I'm going to do. Um, and, and to me, look, Cormani's a tremendous talent, physical gifts off the charts. If you're drawing up a cornerback prospect from a physical standpoint, he is what you want. But all this, all of this recent developments does have me scratching my head in terms of mental makeup type of stuff, right. which I do think matters uh, in the development and projection of a player. Um, and to me, the biggest concern is he's he's just not handling things like a pro. And I think now in this NIL era where big money's involved, I think it's even more important to recruit, identify, bring in players that will still handle things, handle their business like a pro. Getting to college, making potentially six figures in NIL is big time. That's great. But this is not a destination. This is a part of the process in reaching what should be the final destination of the NFL, maximizing your talents, so that you can go get that NFL back. Um, you know, you combine these things with some academic concerns that are popping up with Cormani, and there's just a bunch of red flaggy type of things from a mental makeup perspective that are popping up. And again, not all guys are into academics. I get that. But to me, that's just part of the equation in terms of do you handle your business like a pro? You don't have to get straight A's. I'm not saying that but you got to handle your business where you're passing classes and able to stay on track that way. So you can play football. Um, by and large NFL players are smart guys that handle things like a pro. Um, and, and I also think like from an NIL perspective, I do think it's important to make sure, you know, you can sell to your NIL people that you get return on investment with these players. And look, there's a bunch of risk throwing big money at any player, any prospect, et cetera. But when you're throwing a ton of money at guy at a guy that's already exhibiting red flags, I do think you're playing with fire with your NIL people in terms of why would I keep giving money to the program if you're going to waste it on these guys that quite frankly, look like they have bus potential from the beginning. Does that make sense? Um, I think all of this stuff matters in the NIL era. Again, I think everyone in the building's over it, except Mario Cristobal. He's wired differently, which I appreciate because I think a problem for Miami in recent years is that they don't fight for recruits. Um, too often they were giving up on guys too early. But I think you got to read the tea leaves here and understand where this is trending. Um, and again, I think Miami's class, Miami's corner class, would be better with Cormani than without him. 
But if this is how he's going to handle his business, you got to you got to understand his actions and what they tell you, what he's about, et cetera, et cetera. So and also too, look, I'm not like diminishing it, but Miami's corner class is still the best class it's signed at corner in the past decade. Um, and so look, losing Cormani would probably have Miami falling out of the top five in the recruiting rankings, um, be like six or seven, I think. But this is still the best class of the of the 24-7 sports era, which dates back to 2011, and it would still be the best cornerback class Miami has signed in the past decade. So Cormani doesn't make or break this class is essentially what I'm saying. And, uh, you know, I do think if Cormani doesn't want to come to Miami, you got some funds to play with from an NIL perspective to try and go get other big-time players, which I think can be a transition point to the other remaining high school prospect, Gabby, that Miami appears to be chasing here down the stretch in the 2023 cycle. And that is the freak athlete, Nicholas Harbor. Let's just classify him as a pass catcher. Yeah. Um, 6 5, 240, 10 200, freak show, talent, specimen, track guy. He's a guy that Miami is still pursuing, correct? Yeah, Miami's definitely still pursuing him. And, and look, I, I don't know. I think that that's pretty telling at this stage of the process. I think it was obvious at the Under Armour um, All-American Week when I talked to him at check-in, even when I talked to him after the game to kind of get one last update with him, that he doesn't have a lot of time to maybe squeeze in another official visit. I think he had a track meet this past weekend. He has one this coming weekend. And then he talked about using an official visit the last weekend of January to go see Oregon. And obviously they hit, that's like a track. That's like the track Mecca, you know, where it's yes. just like, you know, just the absolute best resources and facilities that you will find for, yep. for that. But, you know, I do think it's notable. He did tell Andrew Ivins at the, at the, at the media check-in that he does think that football makes more sense for him long-term. So while the track stuff can be attractive, you know, and all that stuff to him, I do think that he knows that, you know, if he's, if, when he's projecting his career, his life, I think he knows that football is maybe where he could potentially have more success or longer career or maybe more lucrative. Yeah. More lucrative. Exactly. Just, he can just make more money playing football than running track and all that stuff. So, um, I do think it's interesting. You, we talked about like, you know, he is a, a, a pass catcher and whether that could be tight end, I think it could potentially be outside receiver here at Miami. If that's something that he wanted to kind of do, because obviously Miami needs help at outside receiver. And I think that they'd be willing to kind of buy into that development. I think he showed at that week at Under Armour camp that he can, that he can catch the ball and maybe it doesn't look pretty every single time. And, you know, you're probably going to have your, your ups and your down moments, but those highs are high. And I think that, you know, he showed that he can beat defenders, get behind some elite defensive backs and, uh, you know, make some things happen once the ball's in his hands. And and look, right now, it doesn't seem like Miami has a ton of juice in this recruitment. But I think there's a reason why, you know, the messaging right now is that they're still recruiting Nicholas Harbor. I think it could easy it, it would be easy for them to just kind of be like, yeah, you know what? It just doesn't seem super good for us right now. But I feel like this is the way that this staff kind of operates. David, you talk about Mario Cristobal and kind of fighting right. for recruits. And I think this is like a prime example of him fighting for a recruit again, kind of, it feels like, you know, you know, chips kind of stacked against him 
but he's still, you know, they're, they're, they're going after him, you know, they're recruiting him super hard. They're still having those conversations. And again, just kind of talking to him up in Orlando, it does sound like there was interest from his perspective, you know, about Miami and, and about the potential situation for him down here. I think he mentioned that, you know, he already had like an internship lined up at a hospital. He's a high GPA kid. I think both of his parents have like doctorate degrees or something like that. He has goals of being like some sort of surgeon, whether it's a neurosurgeon, maybe cardiologist or something like that. Like he has like, um, he has like medical aspirations as well. And, you know, I think all that stuff is kind of lined up for him down here, which again, is, is pretty telling as to why, you know, they've made those behind the scenes plans for him. So Miami's still recruiting Nicholas Harbor. I think it would be, you know, it, he would play out somewhere on the offensive side of the ball. He doesn't really want to put on a ton of weight because he does want to run track at collegiately. Um, but Miami is definitely clawing their way in there. Not sure, you know, if that means, you know, what, what that means in terms of like the actual odds of him, of Miami, yeah. you know, landing him, whatever it may be. But I know that they are actively, the actively, yeah, definitely in the mix. Definitely still, you know, shooting their shot, if you will. Um, and definitely working hard in that recruitment, which again, I think at this point is, is pretty telling that they're still, you know, trying to make this thing happen. All right, let's take a quick break and we will on the other side, get into transfer portal names. Attention business owners. I'm going to say three words you've probably heard of by now. Employee retention credit. If you're a business owner with W-2 employees and you haven't explored this program, you need to schedule a call with our friends at Foreman Law Offices ASAP. The employee retention credit can put thousands of dollars back into the hands of business owners. However, the rules are complex and have changed many times since the inception of the program. You need to have a qualified law firm with experience in the ERC. Evaluate this for your business. You won't owe them a dime until you get paid. All you have to do is go to erclawyers.com and fill out the short questionnaire to schedule a call with their team. Two minutes may be worth thousands of dollars for your business. Get it done today. ERClawyers.com. Tell them TTS sent you for Through the Smoke. The Star Horton Group is a real estate company that covers all of Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Born and raised in Miami, Star is committed to growing his clients' wealth and securing their futures. One of the top realtors in the state, Star knows the ins and outs of the market to make sure his clients get the best possible value when they sell or buy. If you're looking to buy or sell or know someone who is, call or text Star directly at 561-573-4661. And here's the beauty. When you refer someone to Star, he will donate $250 to the Miami Hurricanes Athletic Fund in your name upon the closing of the deal. So to have a great real estate experience, and help our Canes. Call or text STAR today at 561-573-4661. All right, we are back. Gabby, let's start with um, visitors, transfer portal visitors over the weekend. And let's start with a commitment. Uh, Miami Lands veteran tight end Cam McCormick from Oregon. Uh, You know, look, I know it's, I don't know, appears to be getting some backlash from the fan base, this take. I'll admit, I don't understand that uh, backlash because I do think Cam McCormick brings a run-blocking element to the tight end room. 
and to the line of scrimmage that Miami's been lacking for the last, I don't know, five years, four years, um, you know, playing tight end. Yes, pass catching is important at Miami uh, to feature those type of athletes at tight end, uh, but they can also be weapons in the run game too uh, with their blocking. If you have tight ends that can execute in that phase and Cam McCormick is that type of guy. To me, the best offenses are diverse. They can beat you in different ways. Um, and Cam McCormick is a guy that is going to bring uh, run blocking in the red zone and in short yardage situations. We all remember last year how Miami was maddeningly maddened. Ugh, struggling to say that word. Miami was really bad <laughs> uh, scoring easier. red zone touchdowns against Texas A&M and North Carolina, right? And those games were one-score games. Um, I think a guy like Cam McCormick helps run block, set the edge um, on those edge runs. Everything matters in college football, in major college football, power five football. The games are won by the slightest of margins a lot of times, um, especially when you're trying to level up your talent. Uh, and so to me, this represents a marginal game in the run blocking phase. What's your take on Miami landing Cam McCormick? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm totally fine with it. And I mean, I can, of course, see the optics of it and people being like, what the heck? I mean, this kid's going to be an eighth year senior and he has the opportunity to come back for a ninth year. But I think you also I think have to it's kind a of, good thing, honestly, like is. grown man is. strength. Uh, yes. grown men mentality like he, he's I six, think five, it's a good two, six, six five two sixty I mean I think he's definitely a big body you know in the room and, and let's let's kind of even just take a step back here and like evaluate what the tight end room even looks like right like Will Mallory is gone he's off to I mean he's exhausted his eligibility he's off to the NFL or whatever it is that he ends up doing with this next phase of his life the I think the oldest returners like Dominic Mamorelli um, he, I mean, he's more of maybe a run blocker or just like a blocking yeah. type, Like he, he's not a high level contributor. And then you got Elijah Arroyo, who's maybe the best, their best overall tight end, but he's coming off, you know, major knee surgery. Um, who knows what his status is, you know, in the spring, just, he probably will exactly. be out. 
Exactly. Then you got Jaleel Skinner, who's still kind of a, a you know a youngster who's still kind of developing his body, who's still kind of coming into his own, who had his share of you know struggles as a true freshman. Um, you know, he had those times that he had drops and all those types of things, and he has that big playability and that receiving ability, but he's not uh you know a, a blocking type. You have Khalil Brantley, who honestly I think Miami fans should be looking at as an example of like what it could be like to have a good blocking tight end because Khalil Brantley, yeah, when he, he kind of got on the field, job. yeah, he did an okay job when he kind of got in there and kind of like his H-back role and kind of delivered some blocks and all that stuff. Like Cam McCormick is like a very, I feel like he's a good fit for what, where Miami is at right now in terms of where their offense is, where they struggle. And then what the room is even built out to look like right now. Like, I don't, I don't know why anyone would push back on having, of adding, you know, a veteran body who has, has a proven track record of, 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 of blocking ability, uh, you know, just especially considering the, you mentioned David, the red zone struggles and all those types of things. And he's also a guy that can just kind of be almost like a decoy where it's just like, he's so, so known as a blocker that in those red, red zone situations, he's a guy that can get kind of lost, you know, by the defense or kind of get forgotten about by the defense. And, you know, he can end up scoring. I think he had three touchdowns, 66 yards, David, I would bet, I haven't looked it up, but I would bet a lot, like a lot of those three scores, maybe all of them came in those short yardage situations where he just kind of got open. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's a role player. So, right. He's a role player. He's not, he's not, he's not going to be, you know, tight end one or anything like that, but he's a good piece to kind of throw into the mix there. I mean, I think it's being, I think people are blowing it way out of proportion just because of the age. Diversity of skill is a good thing. You want a multiple offense and a multiple defense um, to handle different styles you see on the schedule during the course of a season. The other visitor uh, that was a transfer over the weekend, Gary Bryant Jr. USC wide receiver transfer. What's the vibes coming out of his visit, Gabby? Yeah, no, I honestly, I think the visit went really, really well. And, uh, you know, I know Gary Bryant and Mario Cristobal have a relationship that goes back to their high school days. He took an official visit to Oregon and it sounds like, you know, they did a good job kind of presenting him the opportunity um, you know, to kind of walk in and be a high level contributor potential out, uh, you know, wide receiver one on the outside, also make plays from the slot and also be, a, you know, a potential, you know, like go to guy in the return game in, ter- in terms of kick return, punt return. So I think they're selling him on being an extremely active uh, participant in, in this offense that really desperately needs kind of playmakers, uh, you know, really across the field, but especially on the outside. So I do think that Gary Bryant view, you know, sees that type of opportunity, sees that Tyler Van Dyke is a, you know, is a quarterback that has performed at a high level in the past when he did have that outside weapon. Um, so, you know, I, I, I do think that Miami did as good of a job as they could have done there. I know Mario Cristobal's kind of running point on that. Um, at the moment, um, you know, let's see what other schools he ends up seeing. I think he said that Arizona might get a, a visit. Um, you know, he's mentioned Arizona State, UCLA, Texas A&M as a couple others. Um, so l- let's see. I know Miami would ideally like to kind of get him to shut it down, but he can't enroll for the spring. So he won't be a part of spring ball regardless uh, because he has a couple, just a couple more classes he needs to take to to finish up at USC. So he's going to graduate from USC and then enroll at his next stop uh, o- over the summer. So um, I think that there still could potentially be a ways to go here, but I do think Miami did a good job kind of getting him in early and kind of selling him the vision of the program. And I think the vibe out West is that, uh, you know, the hurricanes could potentially, you know, be the team to beat there. Money can be the root of all evil when you don't understand it. A couple of bad decisions shouldn't continue to affect us years later. And the path to recovery shouldn't be as painful as the regret. Everyone at some point needs help with their financial situation and pride financial can lend that helping hand. 
Pride Financial offers a patient and judgment-free environment and will provide you with the knowledge and power you need to realize your dreams. Once they identify your goals, they will guide you to the finish line, holding your hand every step of the way. Repairing and building credit is only the first step. They'll educate you on a variety of banking and financial institutions, what resources they offer, and how to maximize funding for your financial needs. Gain access to a vast network of realtors and licensed dealers to receive outstanding deals on prime real estate and the newest vehicles to fit your lifestyle. They even offer education and services to assist those more involved on the business side of things. Text 305-393-7698 or email globalchoice underscore consulting at yahoo.com to book a free consultation with Pride Financial, and let's take pride in our finances. Over the weekend, there was some transfer portal activity that I think is noteworthy for Miami as they look to build up the depth and you know, potentially have land some guys in the portal that could be starters. Um, let's circle back around a corner um, with this Cormani McLean stuff going on. It was interesting on Friday that Former five-star recruit from the 2022 cycle, Jaheim Singletary, who uh, played one year at Georgia, uh, entered the transfer portal. What's your understanding on that situation and how involved is Miami with trying to maybe pivot to Jaheim Singletary? Yeah, I definitely think Miami's trying is 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 actively working in that recruitment, uh, David. I, I think I mentioned on Friday that you know after they 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 left Lakeland, I think a, a couple of them maybe pivoted, uh, hit, hit went up to Jacksonville once uh, Jaheim Singletary was officially in the portal. Met with the family that night. Um, I, I think that you know Miami has continued to have conversations uh, with the Singletary family. Uh, you know over the course of the weekend, I believe that there's a couple calls scheduled even here for Monday. Uh, to kind of, re, you know, continue to connect with the Singletary family, uh, you know, just kind of like my latest intel on that recruitment is that it seems like when he hit the portal, you know, as as many guys do, you know, we don't really have to sugar, you know, hide it or whatever. It seems like he did have kind of a destination in mind. Um, I'm not sure exactly what that destination is, but I don't know that it was Miami. Um, but I think the feeling around the, you know, around that recruitment right now is that Miami's kind of made him think about the Hurricanes more and that the fact that he hasn't already announced what his next stop is going to be is, is, is not maybe primarily because of, but in part because of, because Miami has maybe given him a little bit more to think about or given him something, something else to think about outside of the school that maybe, you know, he kind of had in, in his mind and, and all those types of things. So um, right now I would, I think the feeling is that that school, I'm not even sure what the school is. I don't even like even the way who I spoke to about the situation didn't even really know what the school was because it seems like that's something that they're keeping kind of close to the vest. Um, but they, I think the feeling is that, you know, Miami is, you know, continuing to kind of push here and seeing if they can kind of, you know, maybe even level the playing field or even maybe, you know, tip the scales into their favor. But right now I think the, the feeling is that, you know, that school that he was kind of leaning towards uh, potentially has the inside track to eventually land him. So right now Miami's maybe playing a little bit of catch up, but it seems like, you know, they're, they're doing what they need to do to kind of, you know, get in, you know, really, really, uh, you know, become a, a factor in this recruitment and, you know, potentially put themselves uh, you know, in position to, to land Jaheim Singletary. But right now uh, I think that's still an uphill climb for them. Yeah. It's worth mentioning Jamila Dye recruited him to Georgia 
uh, who's Miami's current DB coach. So there is a relationship there. Um, Singletary would be a, a nice solid addition. I think he's got length six foot one and ball skills. I think speed is, you know, maybe the potential question mark in terms of projecting how elite Jaheim is. Um, but he would no doubt be a guy that competes for a starting job at Miami if he were just to go that direction. How about at wide receiver? Uh, an interesting name popped in uh, with Alabama's Tyler Harrell, who started his career at the college level at Louisville and played his high school football at Christopher Columbus High School. Um, what's the sense you get with Miami's interest in Tyler Harrell? Yeah, I, I do think Tyler Harrell is is someone that they're kind of looking at. I, I think he's a name that kind of makes sense. Um, I, I don't know how much like the Gary Bryant factor influences here. I feel like they're pretty similar. You know, they're both like basically like six foot, five eleven guys, you know, in that 180, 195 pound range. Maybe Tyler Harrell's a little bit a little bit thicker than Gary Bryant is, but Tyler Harrell has that elite that that you know that that you know that top gear that not many people have what was he coming out of high school david he was like a, a 10 2 kid. i know he was a, i know he was kind of like a track at 10 5 kid coming out of high school so he can he can definitely move um and i do think that again miami's exploring all options in terms of you know leveling up that wide receiver room and tyler harrell who i think struggled through some injuries once he got to alabama by way of louisville um I, I think that's something that maybe maybe held him back just a little bit. But I do think if he's healthy, that he's someone that would make sense to maybe bring home. You mentioned the Columbus, uh, his high school, his high school days and all that. That's where Mario Cristobal, Alonzo Highsmith, Alex Mirabal, all those guys went to Columbus. I'm sure there's plenty of ties to, you know, the people around Harold or they have easy, you know, access to those guys. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if Tyler Harold is, is a name that, you know, it sort of continued to kind of emerge for Miami in the transfer portal. He's a grad transfer. Uh, so we mentioned he, he went from Louisville to Alabama. He would be able to transfer again because he's graduated and all that stuff. So he does have another opportunity and he wouldn't have to sit out. Yeah, he reportedly ran a 4-2-4 at Ole Miss, or sorry, Ole Miss, Louisville um, during his time there. And in 2021, he finished with 523 yards on 18 receptions which is 29 yards per catch. Um, so explosive ability. He's not, he is an interesting player because I don't know. He really had that one productive year at Louisville. Uh, I don't know if he was necessarily a starter that year for Louisville. Um, and he's not like a contested catch guy, but you can't teach that speed. He is a deep shot guy, whether that's a go route or a deep post and you put air under it and allow him to run under that ball and catch it and go. Um, and then also too, could be a guy that's used on crossers. Um, but in terms of like, is he going to go out and win a bunch of 50, 50 balls to this point, he has not been that type of guy, uh, but still Miami in 2022, as we know, one of the least explosive power five offenses um, in terms of passing the ball. Uh, in the country, having a guy like Tyler Harrell, just that threat would definitely be a nice addition to the offense in 2023. Um, how about any other names at the transfer portal that hit, that hit recently that you think are worth knowing? Any Anyone on the defensive side? Oh, definitely, David. I, I think this is a name 
I, I think I, I introduced to our inside these subscribers on here. I think it was sometime here Monday morning before we started the podcast. That's a former Ole Miss safety, Tysheem Johnson, who's basically a two-year starter for the Rebels, started as a true freshman in 2021 and uh, uh, started a bunch of games for them here in 2022 also. Um, you know, he's he's someone that, I mean, graded out really well in 652 snaps this year, had a 72.0 coverage grade, um, broke up a couple passes. And, you know, again, he's someone just even people around the Ole Miss football program speak really highly of just kind of checking in with some sources there in Oxford. And, uh, you know, I can confirm that Miami has reached out based on, you know, those conversations with people close, you know, to the recruitment and people familiar with Johnson. And, you know, he's a, he's a five foot 10, 200 pound uh, Philadelphia native. Uh, I, I think I've mentioned a couple of times, I don't know if it was formally or just on the board that Miami would take a safety if the right name emerged. And I think, uh, I think Johnson is definitely, um, I think he's definitely a name that maybe Miami fans want to keep track of. It might, might be in the early stages of everything. It, I think he entered the transfer portal on January 13th or announced that he was entering the transfer portal on January 13th. Um, but I mean, this was a two, four, two, four, seven sports freshman, all American in 2021. And, uh, you know, he's a kid that can definitely maybe play some nickel or, or even some high safety also. So I think he's someone that's a little versatile also, and seems like he has some fans around the program. Yeah, he finished this past year with 78 tackles for tackles for loss. So I think ideally in the modern game, you want you want a rotation of three good safeties. And I think Miami needs to find that third safety wherever they can find it or develop it. And Taishim Johnson would definitely be a nice fit with Cam Kitchens, with James Williams, because like you alluded to, he's a versatile guy. I can play some big nickel, can play in the box can line up at free safety as well. Kind of similar to Cam Kitchens in that regard with versatility. I guess James Williams too, because they all kind of move around. But um, he would definitely help improve the secondary depth on the back end. Um, let's move on to spring enrollees. Monday, or sorry, Sunday was move-in day for the new transfer additions and uh, early enrollee freshmen that will be participating in the spring. Um, Gabby, you were there, got some good shots. Big day for these guys, big day for their families, as you know, especially for the freshmen, as uh, mama's got to let go of their babies at the college level. Um, just what, what stood out to you? Just it could be body types, it could be just guys being excited. What did you feel like you learned while you were out there? Yeah, I mean, I, I think just even watching maybe some guys move in in the past, I do feel like, you know, the 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 structure of these body types are definitely different. I think they're Miami's definitely adding those, you know, those, those you know, prototypical, you know, sort of maybe NFL body types or potential NFL body types, you know, to, to the line of scrimmage specifically. I mean, just kind of getting eyes on Samson, Ock, and Lola. I mean, I think it's obvious that that's the way you want. Uh, you know, a potential tackle to look. Uh, Colin Zakiampong, I mean, he's a big, long kind of like, you know, who who knows what he ends up developing into. I mean, he he's all of, you know, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, 
Um, you know, he's not like rail thin or anything like that. Like he already has some mass on him. So it seems like he's someone that, you know, kind of like a big ball of clay that they can get their hands on and, and, you know, turn him into some big time pass rusher or maybe even beef him up a little bit and kind of kick him inside, or maybe a guy that can be a little versatile and do both. I mean, I think he's someone that could, that could potentially do a little bit of that. Uh, Jaden Wayne, I mean, he's another one on the line of scrimmage as a pass rusher that he just, he kind of just looks like a grown man, you know, like, you know, you're walking down the street and you walk past Jaden Wayne, you're not saying that's a 17, 18 year old kid, you know, a high school senior technically. I mean, he's, he's definitely, you know, checks those boxes in terms of looking the part that, you know, of what a pass rusher, you know, should look like. And especially when you're projecting a couple years down the line. Um, Malik Bryant, even as a linebacker, you know, obviously he's kind of new to the position and I think still learning, but you know, prototypically, I mean, you know, he, he kind of checks those boxes. I mean, at least six foot two looks like he's at least, you know, 230 pounds, you know, in that range that he can still kind of, and you know, an athletic kid, David, we were talking about, he's been, you know, kind of the dude for, you know, his whole, the entirety of his high school career where he's been, you know, kind of like the, one of the best people on the field and all those types of stuff. So I feel like the quality of player, I think it's, it's obvious. I mean, this is a, a, a top five class for now. But even if it's a top six, top seven class, I mean, you can see that Miami's adding the, the you know, the the frames, the 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 personnel that you know it, it's going to start looking different. Where if you add, you stack another class on top of this one and another one right. on top of that one, where you know Miami's not going to be rolling out there with undersized, uh, you know, players at certain spots that are just too key to be, you know, rolling dice uh, that way with. So. Um, you know, I, I was really encouraged about the body types. I think even the the competitiveness. I mean, Robbie Washington, the Miami Palmetto receiver, he walked right past me and he's like, you know, Keel's like, catch me in the facility tonight. Like I'm, I'm getting to work, like I'm ready to go. Um, so like, you know, these guys are are not coming in here just kind of like, you know, you know, I don't know, just kind of hanging out, like, oh, I'm in college now. It's, it seems like all these guys are it, it, it it's go, kind of go time. It's it's time to work. And it seems like these dudes are kind of all about that, which is uh, obviously uh, an encouraging sign. How about the transfer guys? Anything stand out about the way they looked or handled themselves? Oh, definitely. I mean, I got a chance to chat up uh, Matt Lee, the UCF uh, center transfer. And again, just like from a mentality standpoint, you can tell he's kind of like an alpha, right? Nice kid, like super nice kid. But, you know, asked him if he was ready to go. And he was just like, yeah, like I, I'm ready to go. Like, I, like I'm, I'm pumped. Like, you know, he's you could see he was someone that's just like, yeah, like it, it's it's time again. Like, it, it's time to work. Like, we're here to work. Like, you know, I'm ready to get in the room with these guys, all those different types of things. And, you know, it's that mentality that I think is a little bit different. Even Javian Cohen, who I guess I've had two exposures to now you know he just you can just see that you know mentally he's just kind of you know this, th these are business decisions for these guys these guys have aspirations of playing in the nfl and they know that the stop for them uh they, they got to make a count and it has the potential to help them take um that next step so you know matt lee jv and cohen definitely two of the transfers that i was able to see that uh that makes sense um, I mean, that makes sense, you know, in terms of just like what it needs to look like, especially as, on the offensive line along the line of scrimmage, like that we were just kind of mentioning too. And then, I mean, got eyes on Devonte Brown again, who I saw for the first time at, at his younger brother, Damari's uh, signing ceremony. And I mean, Devonte just again, long, you know, long dude, big, tall, long kid that again, you know, from a cornerback standpoint, I think kind of, you know, brings a lot of the stuff that you kind of like, I think you know, kind of maybe similar to DJ Ivy, I would say maybe a little bit taller, maybe even a little bit longer. Um, but Devontae Brown is someone that I'm definitely encouraged by as well. All right. And, you know, I feel like we talk about it every episode here recently, but it's still worth hammering home, I guess, here at the end. IME's coaching staff. Um, everyone wants to know what's going to be 
the fate of Josh Gaddis. Uh, again, I'm still under the impression where I'd be surprised if Josh Gaddis returned as the offensive coordinator for Miami in 2023. Um, and look, this is me editorializing. So I'll say that on the front end. But I would keep an eye on this Penn State wide receiver job opening that happened on Sunday. Um, and I'd also keep an eye on Frank Ponce with the Appalachian State offensive coordinator job. Um, not predicting anything, but I would say just keep an eye on those two situations. What do you feel like shedding a light on with with Josh Gaddis in that situation? Um, what did you notice that might be notable? Um, yeah as the guys moved in. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, again, I spent the whole morning and, you know, a few hours in the afternoon at Miami as these guys checked in, I think it was, you know, kind of the elephant in the room that Josh Gaddis wasn't there. Uh, you know, again, both of his, both of the wide receiver signees moved in, were checking into their dorms and, you know, Josh Gaddis wasn't around, um, you know, Greg Biggins, our West coast analyst spoke with Gary Bryant, Jr. The USC transfer, he told Greg Biggins that the, you know, the offensive coordinator wasn't really around. It didn't bother him because he said that he was able to learn everything he needed to learn about the offense and stuff, you know, via Mario Cristobal, which is, again, I think that's something interesting to me, but um, you know, the offensive coordinator not being around while a top transfer receiver is on a visit when he's the wide receiver coach and um, you know, not being there to move in the fresh, the two freshman receivers that you signed. Um, I, I think that's notable and maybe there are reasons outside of that, but this is also you know, coaching carousel season. And I don't think that, uh, you know, maybe this is all a coincidence. Like, you know, maybe that you're, you know, like you're hinting at David, I know you've been uh, more on top of the coaching search stuff than I am. So from my end, it's purely maybe a little bit more speculation and all that stuff. But uh, David, I know that you've been kind of expecting a move to be made at that offensive coordinator position, or you've been saying that you, you know, that's kind of like what you've, you've heard and stuff like that. Yeah. I think one thing to keep in mind too, is in general, Mario Cristobal likes the guys that leave his staff to have their landing spots. So I think that's kind of what we're all waiting for. Uh, also too, Mario Cristobal doesn't care about timelines. He is of the belief that there is a ton of really good coaches out there and he's going to do his due diligence to, you know, make the right hire that he feels like can be a good fit. Didn't work out. Uh, at offensive coordinator in 2022, um, but the process is not going to change. He's going to take his time, and uh, you know, at the end of the day, he's going to feel good about who he does hire. So he doesn't get wrapped up in the timelines. I understand why that's frustrating um, for the fans, but this is the process. So anything else to add, Gabby, before we get out of here? Not, not for me. Not for All me right, right now. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see if any news pops. This is uh, what transfer portal closes, I believe. What on the 18th, which would be Wednesday. Um, and so we'll see if any new guys jump in uh, for Miami to chase between now and that date. Uh, we'll see if Miami can potentially get some new transfer guys in here uh, in the next week or two, with school starting as well. So. Appreciate everyone listening. Uh, thanks again to all our sponsors. Your support means so much to us. And till next time, take care.
Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Beats.